yes, to our friends and our brothers and sisters online. So hello everybody and welcome back. This is the first Sunday after Easter. And I'm excited about the word that God has laid in my heart. Now the word that, that I, I have for you today is convince. Have you ever tried to convince someone to do something? Sure, right? I can imagine, you know, my, my, own, my own mom as well trying to convince me as a child. Eat the greens. And don't forget the stems also. And I remember I will always try to say like, oh my goodness, I'll try and negotiate, but I always fail. I had to eat my greens. And on the other hand, we also have kids who will try to convince the parents, right? Mom, Dad, confirm, let me stay up late at night. Tomorrow I can sure wake up early for school. I won't complain, I won't cry. And all the parents say, no, no, Dad, that never happens, right? Kids have to go to sleep early. So we are all so used to trying to convince each other of things. So today, what is the convincing that I want to talk about? The word convince, it actually comes, it's actually talking about trying to persuade someone to make a decision. Trying to persuade someone by way of reason or by way of argument. And so today, what convincing am I talking about? I'm talking about one particular man in the Bible. One particular man who received a very negative nickname. He has done good stuff, but he just has got one negative nickname. He was one of the twelve. He was one of the twelve disciples that followed Jesus. He is mentioned in all the four Gospels, as well as a little mentioned even in the book of Acts. But in, Apostle, in John's Gospel... He actually has got three special incidences which give a bigger picture to this man that I want to share to you about. Who is this man? Anybody knows? Well, you don't have to think so hard. I'm going to tell you who it is. And how I'm going to tell you is by reading the Word of God. So you're going to see the Scripture on your screens right now in the hall as well as online. And because it's been so long since we've done it in person, can I invite all those in the hall and those back home, would you stand up for the reading of the Word of God? Just stand up together. There's something powerful as we stand and we declare the Word of God and we pray. Amen. Let's start. I'm reading from John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, Called, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it 
in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Father, we want to thank you for your word of God today. We want to thank you for the privilege of being able to gather on site as well as online. We ask for your presence to be with us. Anoint this time, anoint the speaker and the hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. You may be seated. So powerful to be able to stand together and hear your voices reading together with me. Who am I talking about? Who is this man with a very unfortunate nickname? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. You know, it is such a popular nickname that it has become an English idiom. Whenever someone shows doubt, you say, Ah, don't be a doubting Thomas. You know, we're so quick to go and use that as an idiom. And I did a little bit of research because I'm curious, who gave this name? And I couldn't find out who gave the name. However, it was officially adopted into the English uh, language in 1883. Wow. So prior to 1883, it was definitely used very often. And so it became a very commonly used even until today in 2021. And so when I felt the Lord draw me to this passage, I was like, seriously, Jesus, what do you want me to say? This man has so much doubt. You know, but then as the Spirit of God began to lead me to understand a lot more about Thomas, and I want to bring you together with me on a journey to understand and to know this man, Thomas. So Thomas first appears to us in John chapter 11. Alright, in John chapter 11. Now who is Thomas? Thomas, his name means twin. His name actually has the meaning of twin. In another passage, you see he's also called Didymus. Didymus is the word twin in another language in Greek. So one is in Aramaic, one is in Greek. Both have the same name, same meaning, which is twin. We don't know who his twin brother is or his twin sister. We just know that he is a twin. And that was his nickname. Hey, twin, come on. Hey, twin. So that is Thomas. Alright? So if you have a friend called Thomas, please don't call him twin. I'll call him by his name, okay? Alright? So this is Thomas and we know that he's a fisherman by profession. And that's all we really know about Thomas. We don't know anything more than that except for the three passages that I'm going to lead you through and you're going to discover a lot more about Thomas and how he's actually just like you and I in many ways. So the first passage that we see, in, we find Thomas is in John chapter 11. I'm going to read this passage and then after that, give you a little bit of background. In John 11 verses 14 to 16, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Who wants a friend like Thomas? 
you know, who will say, come, let's go and let's die. It's like, oh my goodness, why is he so dramatic? Why is he so pessimistic? What is Thomas all about? And let's try and understand the passage. This is the story, a powerful story, the resurrection of Lazarus. When Lazarus died and he was, rose, he was raised to life on the words of Jesus. So prior to this, Lazarus was very sick. And the sister sent word to Jesus, Come quickly, the one you love. The one you love is so sick, come quickly. And the scripture tells us, Jesus carried on doing ministry. He did not rush over. He carried on doing ministry. And in this passage, prior to this passage, uh, Jesus used the term, Oh, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the disciples said, Oh, like this, uh, Jesus, if he's sleeping, let him rest first. Lah. Because if he's not well, let him sleep. And then when he wakes up, he'll be all okay one. Don't have to go there. Then Jesus had to tell them plainly, No, like he's dead. Okay, he's dead. But we have to go. But prior to this, the disciples told this to Jesus. Let me read to you what Jesus, what, what the disciples said in John chapter 11, verse 8. Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? They were just seeking to stone you because see, prior to this, Jesus had upset all the Jewish leaders and they were ready to stone Jesus. And so the disciples are saying, Jesus, why do you want to go back to that area? The people are ready to kill you. So they were very worried. Maybe they were also worried for themselves because if they were to stone Jesus, guess who else they might stone as well? So they were very worried as well. And that's when Jesus had to speak to them, right? And said, we have to go. I, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. Now, I like what it says in the message version. Let's read the message version here. Can we have the message version? That's right. Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. You are about to be given new grounds for believing. New grounds, a new basis to believe again. Now let's go to him. And that's when Thomas, the one called the, the twin, said to his companions, Come along, we might as well go and die with him. So what do we learn from Thomas here? You see, he, the disciples had analysed the situation. The disciples were very realistically telling Jesus, if you were to go, you're surely going to end up being stoned. You're surely going to die. And by them discouraging Jesus, it meant they also don't want to die. <laughs> Right? They were not. They were saying, Jesus, you don't die. We also don't die. We just stay here. We, we don't need to go to and do the impossible things or do difficult things. That's not right. But Thomas, let's take a look at Thomas. This is where we see one characteristic of Thomas. He was committed to Jesus even unto death. He was an analyst. I call him an analyst because... He would have listened to all the disciples. He would have listened to Jesus. He would have been able to weigh the situations and the conditions. He could analyze the danger that 
being stoned is a reality. He assessed Jesus' words. Jesus said, I'm going to give you new grounds for believing. I'm going to do something new that will open up your mind and your eyes like never before. He assessed Jesus' words. He remembered every single time that Jesus spoke. It always comes to pass that whenever my Jesus gives an assurance of something, it will take place. So Thomas analyzed and he assessed and he weighed and he realized, if this Jesus, whom I love so much, asked me to go, I'm ready to go. I am ready. Even if it means death. Let's go and let's die with him. Let's go. He was completely invested. And you know what? Being a disciple, God calls us to be invested 100% in following Him. When Jesus came, when He went all the way up to Good Friday, on the cross, Jesus gave 100%. And when He rose and He conquered, on Easter Sunday, He conquered 100% for the whole world. For you and I, 100%. And He bids all of us, are you invested 100% to following Jesus no matter the cost? Thomas was a risk taker. He was not a foolish person. It sounds like he's foolish. Let's go and die. But I believe Thomas listened, he weighed, and he was ready. And his powerful words probably, you know, was instrumental in rallying all the disciples because they all eventually went. And what did they experience? They experienced the first time that they saw Jesus raising someone who had been dead for four days. They experienced a powerful miracle because Thomas was willing to go all the way. You know, sometimes we are so good at analyzing. We're so good at analyzing and reanalyzing. Now, in my, in my previous job, before I, I, I gave my life to enter full time, I was a risk manager. And analyzing risk was my bread and butter. And, you know, you give me any situation, I can see immediately everything that can go wrong. That's just how my brain, my, my brain is wired. I can quickly tell you, okay, this can go wrong, that can go wrong. It may sound like a very pessimistic person, but I'm just a realist. And when I entered, the, when I was contemplating to enter full-time, Pastor Gwen will know, Pastor Tiff will know, some of them will know. I took forever to enter full-time. Not because I wasn't sure of the core, but because I count, count, count uh, with my hands. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It cannot work out. And so, after counting and recounting, I had to give all my countings to the Lord and say, I don't have the answers, but I'm committed. And today, I believe that some of us here, the Lord may be asking you to do something more. Something more for Him. Sometimes it's good to analyze, but it's also good to surrender and say, Lord, whatever you bid me do, I'm ready to go. So that's the first portrait that we see of Thomas. Now the second encounter with Thomas is found in 
John chapter 14. But before we go to John chapter 14, I need to give you a little bit of background of John chapter 13. Because you must understand there is a flow of what's happening. In John chapter 13, this was the Last Supper. It was the time of the Last Supper. They were gathered together, Jesus and His disciples, all gathered together. They had the Last Supper. Jesus had broken the bread. He had blessed the cup. And after that, we also know that Jesus also washed the feet of His disciples. It was a very serious and somber time. And even in John 13, as they were eating, He said, one of you will betray me. And after that, he even proclaimed, Peter, you're going to deny me. So all the disciples were thinking like, wow, I thought this was a simple lunch, a simple dinner. Now it has become something so serious. Someone's going to betray Jesus and Peter, the leader of them all, is going to deny Jesus Clearly, when this message was coming across, they were all anxious. They were all worried. They were like probably seated at the edge of their seats. And this is where John chapter 14 opens up. And let's take a read. In John chapter 14, reading from verses 1 to 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that, you, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. All this is what Jesus is saying. Then here we find Thomas coming up again. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here we see the second glimpse of Thomas. He was so eager to follow Jesus. He didn't wait for Jesus to complete his whole speech. He had to like interrupt. He was a very outspoken seeker. He wanted to know more like, wait Jesus, tell us. What do you mean you, we know where you're going? We don't know. I don't know. I don't know about them, but I don't know. I want to know. And so Thomas was like, come on Jesus, you've got to tell us. How are we going to follow if we don't know? Wow. The outspoken seeker. The outspoken seeker, he didn't assume to have all the answers. He sought to understand. We all need to have this kind of heartbeat, to always be seeking to understand what it is that Jesus is saying. He was so confident to ask Jesus. We must never be afraid to ask Jesus things. We must never be afraid to say, Lord, I don't understand. Help me understand. Show me. Teach me. Thomas needed that surety. He needed that assurance because 
Remember, he was ready to die for Jesus. He was ready to go all the way for Jesus. And if Jesus was going to go somewhere, he said, I want to make sure I'm right there. I want to make sure I'm right there. Right there where Jesus is. I don't want to be caught somewhere else when Jesus is moving somewhere. I don't want to be caught, you know, sleeping in my bed when Jesus is on the move somewhere. You know, that was Thomas' heartbeat. He was outspoken. He was bold. He was courageous. And because of his outspokenness, we have this powerful verse that we all always quote this verse. Jesus says, I and the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus declared, not just to Thomas, but to every one of us here, the only way to the Father, the only way to eternal life, the only way for us to live victoriously is through Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's no other way. And Thomas was an outspoken seeker. We catch the heartbeat of Thomas. He was a very passionate believer. He was a passionate disciple. He was not someone who sits in the, in, at the back of the class and just, you know, tries to fall asleep or something like that. He was front and centre where my master is, I'm going to be. That's where Thomas is all the time. I want to be in the centre of God's will. I want to go where he wants me to go. I want to understand all that he has in store. Wow. Isn't that exciting? And I hope you are encouraged by Thomas. And that's when we see the third portrait, which comes from the passage I first read to you. The passage which earned him the title of a doubter. Let's take a look at that passage. Before we take a look, this passage is what, in, I want to rename him instead of Thomas the doubter. Perhaps he was a skeptic. Perhaps he was a wounded skeptic. Why do I say wounded? There are two kinds of skeptics in the realm of spiritual truth. You have a skeptic that is very hardcore and you have a wounded skeptic. A hardcore skeptic is someone who at all costs, they refuse to believe. Don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear any explanation about it. And if you want to explain things to me, I am going to fight with you. I'm going to refuse to see you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And I believe that we all have had experiences with skeptics like that. But Thomas was not such. Thomas was a wounded skeptic. Why, was, why, why do I say he's wounded? Let's take a look at the passage again. Let's have the passage here again. The same passage that we first read. Now let's read it again. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. When he says, was not with them when Jesus came, you see the passage preceding this. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. Now, we're all very familiar with the passage because it is in this passage that our theme verses for 2020 and 2021 comes here. 
John chapter 20, verse 20, and John chapter 20. Verse 21 is our theme, verse 4, this year in glad tidings. So here, in that passage, we see that all 10 disciples were there without Thomas and of course without Judas, who had already betrayed Jesus. So 10 of them were there. Locked doors, afraid, and Jesus came through the locked doors, but Thomas was missing. So after they encountered Jesus, they came and told Thomas. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, Thomas. Thomas, Thomas, you have seen the Lord. He came. You know what he did? He did this and he did that. And they were so excited, telling Thomas everything. What Jesus did. You know the doors were locked and he came in. You know he said this. You know he said that. And they were so excited to tell Thomas. And Thomas, he said, unless I, unless I see the hands in his hands, the mark of the nails. Place my finger and do the mark of the nails. Unless I can put my hand inside his side, I will never, never believe. Now you know the Greek word for never. It's called ume. Ume. It means it's a double negative. It, it's like saying, I will never, 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 never. It's like a child saying, never, never, stamping his feet. It was an absolute certainty. I will not ever believe. That's how strong Thomas' words were. Let's have the verses 26. Eight days later, eight days later, they were gathered together. They were gathered basically on the Sunday again. They were gathered exactly seven days, exactly on this kind of day, one week after Resurrection Sunday, the disciples were gathered and Thomas was with them. Why I say he was a wounded skeptic? If he was a hardcore skeptic, he would not have even been with the disciples. But Thomas, as wounded as he was, he knew when you are wounded, when you are hurt, when you're going through things, don't stay away. Be found with believers. Be found with your connect groups. Be found in the house of God. Even in your woundedness, even though you don't understand things, do not keep away, but be found with other believers. And so Thomas Wounded as he was, he chose to still join the disciples. And the same thing happened. The doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and he said the same things. Peace be unto you. And then he turns to Thomas. He knew exactly what Thomas had asked. He knew exactly Thomas's declaration, unless I do this, unless, unless, unless. Jesus said, here, Thomas, come, put your finger here, see my hands. Put your hand, place it by my side. Don't, do not disbelieve. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, and the Greek word here for answer, it means it is an an immediate reply. Thomas did not need to touch. It was an immediate reply upon seeing Jesus, upon hearing Jesus, upon hearing his master's voice yet again. 
Thomas only had one proclamation. My Lord and my God, my Master, not just a Master, but now Thomas declared, you are God. You are God. You are God. And Jesus said, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, scholars are a little bit confused. Some of them say, oh, I think that Thomas actually touched. That's how he believed. And some say, no, he never touched. But you know what? I just go to the Scriptures. Because Jesus himself just said, because you have seen. Jesus didn't say because you have touched. Thomas had an encounter in the presence of the Lord and he knew there was only one declaration. There was only one response when you come face to face with the powerful presence of the Lord. You just have to declare, you are my Lord. You are my God. You know, in the preceding passage, what? We may have forgotten. Let me read to you John 20, verse 20. After Jesus had said to the disciples in their first, when only 10 of them were there, Jesus had said, Peace be unto you. And then in verse 20, He showed them His hands and His sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So you see, even the ten disciples needed to see the hands and the side of Jesus to be completely assured that this was not a ghost, to be completely assured this indeed is the risen Saviour and Lord. Because when they saw the hands and the side, so that was why Thomas used the very terms because they said to Thomas, we have seen his sides. And then we rejoiced. And Thomas said, I want to have the same experience. I want to have that same encounter. Wow. Thomas was not the only doubter at that time. Where was he on Easter Sunday then? If he was, if he was present, all this would have been avoided, Right? Now, I'm not here to give any speculation about where he was. But many, many people say, you know, based on his passion, you know, he's a very passionate believer. He's very, you know, outspoken. And so, and he's an analyst. He analyzes and he makes decisions based on all these things. Perhaps Thomas needed time to reflect. Perhaps he was going through difficulties Perhaps he was just not ready to be with other people. I don't know. But you know what? Jesus never misses anyone out. God never forgets any one person. This third encounter of Thomas, it was all about him. Jesus came for the sole purpose of restoring Thomas of encouraging Thomas. And you know, if there's anyone among you here today, on site and even online, if you have 
doubts in your heart, if you have been a disciple, you have been following Jesus for years and years, and situations have turned out in such a difficult manner, and perhaps doubt has crept in. Perhaps discouragement has crept in. Today, I want to encourage you. Jesus is coming just for you. He's coming to be with you in your home, right there on your couch, right there on the seat next to you. Jesus is saying, I am here just for you. I want you to experience me, to encounter me in a fresh way. God never leaves anyone out. He knows our needs. He knows what we are looking for. I love how Jesus appeared to Thomas. What did he do? He was so personal with no other agenda. He didn't scold Thomas for his unbelief. He didn't berate Thomas. Huh, this is what happens lah, when you miss your Sunday service. Padan muka. I'm so glad Jesus is not so judgmental, but yet He understands our difficulties. He meets us where we are. You know, He just said, come. You want to see? Let me show you. What is it that you're asking God? What is it you want God to show you? Will you be the outspoken seeker like Thomas today? Will you say, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to behold your miracles. I want to taste and see of that healing touch. I want to know more. Jesus wants us to turn all our unbelief into belief. Because the resurrection power is so powerful, we have to believe. And Thomas didn't need to touch. He just encountered. He just encountered. So we see three portraits of Thomas. Three portraits of Thomas. The committed analyst, the outspoken seeker, the wounded skeptic. There's more to Thomas than just a doubter. He was a passionate disciple that encountered difficulties beyond what he could understand. But yet he didn't stay away from church. He didn't stay away from the fellowship of believers. But he's just proclaimed, I want to see. I need to know for myself. We all are like that, right? At some point in time. We all need a special assurance. And you know what happened to Thomas after all this? After this encounter, we know all the disciples had a powerful time. Acts chapter 2, they had they experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And after that, we don't hear much about Thomas. But early church tradition, historians tell us, Thomas was so passionate for his Lord and his God. He took the gospel and he traveled. He brought the gospel to nations. And he went from Israel, from Jerusalem, outside Judea, outside Samaria. He went all the way to India. The, the, the early church form in Kerala and, and, and all that, they attest, 
their formation to Apostle Thomas himself. He was so passionate and I believe that as the Lord gives that assurance to every one of us today, I believe God wants to speak to our hearts, empower us, you know, slay those doubts as we sang the song, the Lord wants to slay and kill every doubt that the enemy has put over you. And He wants to breathe new life into you. And as He breathes new life into you this morning, I believe and I know He is going to make you go further than you have ever thought imaginable. Thomas never would have imagined he could go as far as India just to bring the gospel. But he did because he was empowered. So Thomas is more than just a doubter. You are more than just the names that have been spoken over you. You are more than just a young man. You are more than just an elderly. You are more than just a child, a teen. You are more than just a mother or father, a single mother. You are more because Christ has redeemed you and Christ has called you to do more. A message like this requires a response. We cannot remain on the fence. We need to make a choice today. Good Friday, the news was proclaimed to us that our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. Easter Sunday, it was proclaimed that we have been chosen. This morning, the Word of God says, Are you convinced? Are you convinced that the same God came all the way to die on the cross, rose again, and He's here to convince you that there is no doubt that He's going to encounter you. There is no doubt that He is real. There is no doubt that He will walk with you. He will journey with you. He will help you slay those giants. So I want to speak to two groups today. Two groups of people. First group is, for those of you, you have been tuning in, you have been, you have been joining us for our services online and maybe even here, right here in the hall here today. You've been joining us, but you have yet to make that commitment to say, Jesus, I want to be like Thomas and say, my Lord, my God. You want to acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your life. Today, I pray you will not linger or delay anymore, but make the decision that we all made. It's a decision I made even as an analyst. I just put it all aside because really, Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer to all my worries, all my, my questions. So if that's you, in a little while I'm going to pray with you. And you can say this sinner's prayer, whether you're here in the hall or whether you're online. Do pray with us and connect with us online, even through the, the chat groups. Just click on that link and leave us your details as well. And the second group I want to pray for are the believers. You have been faithful to the Lord, but it has not been easy. You have been passionate and you have many a time declared, Lord, I follow you all the way through. 
but perhaps certain things has happened in the last few years or the last few months and doubt has crept in but today the Lord says allow me to have a personal encounter with you and if that's you I want to pray for you as well so let's just close our eyes wherever you are make that altar before the Lord right now let's honour the presence of the Lord in this hall in your rooms at home just close your eyes I want to pray for those of you who have yet to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. You say, I want to be a follower of Jesus all the way. Will you repeat this prayer after me? Whether you're online or even in this hall. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for taking my sin, for forgiving me, for giving me new life. I receive you as Lord and God of my life. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And now for every one of you here, Make that altar before the Lord. If you have been struggling with doubts, if you've been struggling with situations and you say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me have that fresh encounter. If you're waiting on a healing, if you're waiting on a breakthrough, if you're waiting for miracles to happen, begin to lift up your hands where you are right now. We're going to ask the Lord to slay every doubt in the name of Jesus. We're going to ask the Lord to begin to speak and breathe afresh on you. Even if you're at home right now, lift up your hands. Lift up that situation before the Lord right now. Oh, pray in the Spirit for a while. Even in the hall right now, pray in the Spirit.
Let's just worship the Lord. While you're in the hall, just stand up and worship together with the worship team. If you're at home, stand up and worship together. Receive that breakthrough even as you lift up your voices in praise. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe in